kind of just uh, bid my time until my junior year, we went out to Camp Higher Ground in Indiana. And Brian Kelly pulls me aside before camp and he's like, look, you're six on the depth chart uh, going into your junior year. Um, if, if something doesn't change this camp, we'll honor your scholarship, but I don't know if there's a place on the roster for you. And, you know, at that time, you know, you're junior in college and I'm calling my parents. I don't know what in the world's going on. What should I do? And, uh, you know, my dad had a good talk with me and kind of just pushed through that camp. And, you know, week by week, day by day, I would climb the ladder and I got to number two on the depth chart leaving camp. We opened the season at Oklahoma and uh, the starter, Dustin Grutza, got hurt. And I ended up playing the, the uh, second half of that game. And then my first start, as you mentioned, was the next week against Miami. And Where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Where you'll get immediate access to expert orthopedic specialists, physical therapy, and imaging at 15 convenient locations throughout the greater Cincinnati area. When you're in pain, turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. Visit beaconortho.com to schedule your appointment. That's the Beacon difference. Tony Pike, UC legend, Cincinnati legend. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast. I appreciate you guys having me. Finally. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. I keep seeing all the, all the social media and all the guests you guys have had. Listen, man, we, we had to get in line. You're on the radio. I mean, you're doing bangles. You see, now you do the underdog. Yeah, so now, we, we're, now we're here. Now we're, we're here. here. Now we're here. We had to get with a special agent. Right. You know, we were like 10th yeah, on the yeah, list. Yeah. Email, email, after email, after email. Your people <laughs> had to talk to my people. And... <laughs> but we did We did have to since it's been quite a while. If you look behind us, as Tony said, it looks pretty pixelated. Yeah, but I can't that, really make that out. That well, is the victory bell. So those are aren't watching online. Is that from the 70s? <laughs> <laughs> it is like 2004? Uh, that would be 2005. Wow. Yeah. Man. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been a minute. But. But that is two of your best buddies, me and uh, yeah. Matthew McEwen, touching the bell. So, so we are we are holders of the victory bell at Miami. So for those listening who don't know, Miami Redhawks, UC Bearcats play each other every year, which I've debated that it should have stopped a couple years ago, but I think we're back <laughs> now at one point. But we play for the victory bell. We've been playing for this since the 1800s, I believe, or early 1900s. And it went back and forth for 100 years, but for the yeah. last – 16. 16 years oof, oof. Um, mm. we haven't seen that bell in our we're life. running out of room to paint the years on the uc side <laughs> all right let's let's move the in topic all, <laughs> in all actuality though when i was getting recruited i was actually recruited to miami for a little bit first and went up to miami um for the uh the battle for the victory bell was when uh big ben was there and they lit uc up that year and Oh three. After that, man, I don't, I don't know what happened. That was oh three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, it's it's been uh, it's been a rough go. So we'll talk about how uh, Tony started that that run, right? I mean, that was pretty much the Tony <laughs> Pike uh, era coming at UC. But yeah, let's get to his underdog story. I know this is a good a good uh, a great story. Yeah, for so, sure. 
So, uh, as I say in every episode, Tony, um, we want to kind of highlight what we believe, you know, or maybe some underdog moments or ad- adverse moments in your life. I mean, you've had numerous, and I think one of the entry points for us was you were, a, you know, player of the year, you know, all Ohio quarterback. You were a three-sport athlete. Um, you chose to go with football and probably not highly as highly recruited as a lot of people thought. Um, and you end up at UC and as a gray shirt. And you can, I'll yeah. let you touch on that as well. But um, you also, as you first get your chance to start playing, injuries take place. Yeah. Um, can you take us back to really your early part of your career and, and kind of how that began and some of the early emotions you went through? Man, so so when I was at Reading, obviously a smaller school here in, in Cincinnati, back then there was no huddle. You know, so it's like, your recruiting tape is what you're making on the VHS and you're sending it out to as many schools as possible. Um, I had, I had offers in basketball, I had offers in baseball, but my only football offer was Toledo. And so I'm going through the process and I always, I I went to UC games growing up because my grandpa was a season ticket holder. And it got to a point where my dad and I dropped off my recruiting tape to UC. And I don't know much about the recruiting process. When a dad and an athlete drop the tape off, usually it gets thrown to the side. And uh, the quarterback coach at the time, Dan Enos, literally told me like, hey, I took the tape and I threw it in our pile because when an athlete drops it off, we usually don't even watch it. And one of the offensive line coaches at the time had walked by his office when I was leaving and had, had seen me in a game that year when they were recruiting somebody else was like, hey, you should probably just take a look at the tape. So it was so late in the process at that time. That's why I ended up gray shirting at UC. Um, but from there, it, it, it literally, like you said, it, it didn't get much easier. I was recruited under Mark D'Antonio. Brian Kelly comes in and I gray shirted, I red shirted, kind of just uh, bid my time until my junior year, we went out to Camp Higher Ground in Indiana. And Brian Kelly pulls me aside before camp. And he's like, look, you're six on the depth chart. Uh, going into your junior year. Um, if if something doesn't change this camp, we'll honor your scholarship, but I don't know if there's a place on the roster for you. And, you know, at that time, you know, you're junior in college and I'm calling my parents. I don't know what in the world's going on. What should I do? And, uh, you know, my dad had a good talk with me and kind of just pushed through that camp. And, you know, week by week, day by day, I would climb the ladder and I got to number two on the depth chart leaving camp we opened the season at Oklahoma and uh, the starter, Dustin Grutza got hurt. And I ended up playing the, the uh, second half of that game. And then my first start, as you mentioned, was the next week against Miami. And um, the crazy thing is you have all those emotions because you go from not getting a chance to finally getting your chance. And the very next week we go to Akron and in the third quarter, I break my left arm Mm. and it's like, man, you're, you know, eight to 10 week injury. We don't know what else. And um, I think it ended up being four or five weeks. I came back and, and started playing again then, but just the, the emotions of, yeah, you might not have a roster spot to you win a starting job. And then the very next game you get hurt. It was, it was all over the place. Did you ever feel like you wanted to give up when you found, when coach said that you were six on a depth chart or was there, or did that ignite a fire in you? Because it's to, to climb, obviously, took something inside of you to, to not yeah. walk off the field. 
the only doubt that I ever had was if I would get a fair chance. You know, if it's, hey, you're six on the depth chart, if you don't show something at camp, we don't have a spot for you. At first, I took that as, well, I'm done. Like, I called my dad, like, I'm out in West Harrison, Indiana. I'm like, I just, I don't know if I want to do this. You know, what, what are my other options? And, you know, nowadays with the transfer portal and things like that, there would have been conversations. But back then it was, hey, tough it out and let's see what happens. And I will say to Brian Kelly's credit, um, when he told me that, he gave me a fair chance. So it's not like he said, you're six on the depth chart. Good luck in one-on-ones and seven-on-seven climbing. He actually gave me a legit chance. And with that chance, I think, opened up the door for me to show them a little bit more of what I can do as well. So I think at first that thought crossed my mind. And it was like the next day, all of a sudden, I'm getting reps with the twos. And I'm getting opportunities to throw to the starting receiver. So I'm like, okay, let's let's give this one more whirl and, and let's go all in this camp and see what happens. I don't think anyone realizes because I was like fifth or sixth on the depth chart. I didn't have that that trend up like Mr. <laughs> Pike here. But to go from six to one, like in a matter of, like you said, probably 60, 60 days or whatever it was, start a camp to uh, higher ground to, uh, you know, Miami game. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. honestly, and then and then obviously what happens thereafter. But that people just the the mount unless you actually live it. Some people might not understand that. Right. Like guys, that is a true. Uh, but it, we what we see, Tony. I know you've listened to a few, but there is a rock bottom moment, and it sounds like that conversation yeah. with Brian Kelly was like, once again, you have the fight or flight response, and you decided to fly, to fight today. As you mentioned, the transfer portal will be interesting to see how many Tony Pikes will sit in and compete. Um, but, uh, that's, that's a big moment, right? So you can overcome adversity. I think right now everyone just wants to jump in the portal and leave. But, you know, if you did that, you know, so thank God you stayed and, and, uh, and competed. So then you go to talk us through, obviously those injuries, you break your, break your arm, come back and then kind of take us from there. So I break my arm, um, against Akron and if, if Brian Kelly's conversation was rock bottom, it was it was darn close to rock bottom 2.0 when you when I broke my arm, because at that time it's a fracture, uh, and when you're doing the X-rays, Akron's X-ray machine room wasn't wasn't that advanced at the time. It was like a wooden plank in a room, and uh, <laughs> well, they have they have real quick. Hold on, before you keep getting, they have troughs. I swear to you, yes, you remember that they, they have troughs. Yes. We played there a lot, obviously yeah. being at Miami. Yeah. It, the rubber bowl was not not no bueno. No bueno. No. no one wanted to play there. Bathrooms are in the middle of the the, the locker room. There's troughs. Yeah, so I can imagine yeah. what their X-ray looked like. Yep, yep. So at the time. When when you would when we bus to games, you had the ability to ride back with your family after the game, and I remember breaking my arm, and it was hard for me to even go back into the locker room, because you, I mean, as you know, you put so much into just trying to get an opportunity, and at the time, you're thinking season ending injury, um, so mentally, you're just in a terrible spot because like man, I, I put so much work in for this. And one freak play, it's gone. Um, so I, I rehabbed. I got back. Uh, I tried to come back one week early against UConn on the road, and uh, and we get to the game and we're we're winning in the first half. And I took a couple hits and like my arm literally started shaking. And I'm like, I just don't think it's ready. And we had a bye the next week, 
Uh, so I didn't play the second half. UConn came back and throttled us in the second half. So we start the Big East. Uh, it was our first Big East game. We start that with a loss. Uh, we have big games coming up at West Virginia. Uh, because back then, Big East, you're thinking Louisville, West Virginia, UConn was really good. Rutgers was at the top. All of these teams. So missed the second half of UConn. Come back out of the bye. And, you know, we obviously we had we lost to Oklahoma. We lost to UConn. No one's thinking we're going to go on any type of run. Come back the next game. It was a Halloween game against South Florida. We win that. We run the table. And uh, we make it to the Orange Bowl. For the first time in school history, we'd go to a BCS game. And uh, Rock Bottom 3.0 would be throwing four interceptions in the Orange Bowl. Uh, so that, you know, you 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 go and you, you get your spot. You start. You get hurt. You think your season's over. You fight back and have a great season. And then the biggest game in school history, you throw four interceptions. And then uh, it's like, man, this is uh, this is not a good place right now. So um, that that's kind of ended my junior year and led into a, a really a heck of an offseason going into my senior year. Wow. Now, let's talk about, you know, you guys, like, well, I, I'll just say there's, there's three of us on this, on this conversation right now, and all three of us um, ha- at one point have dreams and aspirations of playing in the NFL. Um, and, you know, you were lucky to do that, and we've just talked about 3.0. Um, and you get an opportunity to make that jump. Uh, you get drafted, yeah. you know, by the Carolina Panthers, I believe in the sixth round. Um, dream come true. Um, and, and, and that doesn't turn out, again, the way yeah. that you would have wanted to. Can you talk us through that? Because I also want to talk about your, your, your stint with the Bengals because I believe that's when I met you and you were working out. Yeah. Uh, and, and so can you take us through that? So, so before I get to – so my senior year, we come back and uh, – have a great start to the year. Um, we uh, we go on the road and beat Oregon State. We beat Rutgers on the road to open up the season. Um, rolling along, and we went into a bye week, and I was, I think at the time, like getting Heisman votes my senior year. It's like six in the Heisman race. Going into a game against South Florida, my arm had completely healed at the time, and uh, we're six in the country at the time, eighth in the country. And Jason Pierre-Paul and George Selby right before the half uh, collapse on me and re-break my arm. And I go into halftime and I'm like pleading to let me go out and finish the game. Like, you know, do whatever you have to do. Let me go finish. I come back out in the third quarter and I land on it. And the plate that I had in my arm shifted and broke my bone all the way through. Mm. So you go from like, Heisman conversation to your career might be done and ended up missing a couple weeks, put a cast on it, play while it was broke, which led to the sugar bowl and Tim Tebow and Aaron Hernandez and the pounces and Dunlap and company throttling us when Brian Kelly left to go to Notre Dame. But it was, it, it all led up to the NFL draft and getting drafted. And as you mentioned, you know, growing up, if you're playing football, your dream and goal is to play in the NFL. And so I get drafted to the Carolina Panthers. I make the roster. You know, when you get drafted in the sixth round, I don't think a lot of people realize I lived at a Holiday Inn until I made the team because you don't want to buy a place because you don't know if you have a roster spot. Like, you know, second round guys, whatever, you, you already know where you're going to be. Sixth round, 
I made friends at the Holiday Inn Express down in Charlotte, not knowing if I was going to make the roster. But it was. It was uh, make the active roster, and, and I got in for a half against the New Orleans Saints. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm going into my second season, and I start having trouble throwing a spiral. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm you know, a tight spiral. I can't I'm – I'm losing my accuracy a little bit. I had just started to lose feeling in my pinky finger on my throwing hand. And it was so subtle that I, I didn't even notice it. But when you're throwing the football, obviously if that, that pressure's off, the, the ball is going to start losing where it needs to go. And it progressed and progressed and progressed until I found out that I had nerve damage in my elbow, had a surgery, tried to rehab from it, had a second surgery, tried to rehab from it. And uh, ultimately it led to, uh, permanent nerve damage, which is why I, I had to step away from from football way earlier than I had ever hoped and thought that I would. So everything that led to that kind of kind of led to the total rock bottom of you realize your dreams, you you fulfill your dreams, and you know in, in a span of two weeks, three weeks, you you realize you can't play the game you love anymore. Jesus, wow, wow, that's a that's a I I didn't know the the details of that, but the um... How many? Surgeries? Now it also yeah. it also didn't help that after the second surgery they drafted Cam Newton, and you know I'm like I'm in like the rehab room and Cam walks in and he's like my height, but he's like 245 and he's running like a 44 and throwing the ball 70 yards. So you know the elbow was like ah I don't know if I got it anymore either. Yeah. <laughs> well you did you did the you know you played in a NFL game a lot more uh, you know in a Sugar Bowl so you did a lot I don't think you. You're a humble guy, and you're not giving yourself enough credit. Like I said, that that rise from Reading High School, you know, small town where you were underlooked to uh, battling your way from six to one at University of Cincinnati, then to being drafted and actually playing in a game, you know, yeah. and then injuries. Obviously, like anyone, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys, unfortunately, that have to go through what you did that ends a career early. But now you're living life, you're doing big things. Beautiful wife, you married up, yes. which is always married a good up. thing. I'll kick the coverage. I'll kick the coverage. So I obviously, you, we know he's a good recruiter. <laughs> true. So, <laughs> it's true. Um, so I mean, any you know, I think obviously you work with the the local community and quarterbacks and those student athletes, and a lot of our audience is parents that um, you know are trying to develop young women and men and and uh, and student athletes. How would you recommend? Because you work with these parents like how to, um, you know, prioritize, you know, how to develop. I know that's a broad question, but I think right now there's so much scrutiny in parents at an early age of what you do, what you don't do, or is it a helicopter parent versus not? What, what, is, what do you think is the best approach if someone listening that you could give them advice? So I, I had, the, I had the, the privilege when I was going through my, my training for the draft to go out to California and train with George Whitfield who has become like the quarterback guru. And, uh, and he got me ready. He got me, he gave me a chance actually after my, my second surgery, as you mentioned, the Bengals brought me in and gave me a chance at mini camp. And, uh, and I went through it. And after the first day, the nerve damage kind of re popped up. So I knew that my career was done, but I also knew that, you know, I have a passion for, for trying to help. And, and, you know, if I couldn't play, I wanted to help others fulfill their dreams, whether it's high school or college or professional, so I got like 30 or 40 kids that I'll rotate working with right now. And the biggest thing that I can say for any of that is it has to be genuine from the athlete. It's got to be genuine from the kid. 
You know, I have parents that drop kids off in the past that it's been a babysitting hour. And within five minutes, I know that that kid doesn't want to be there. As opposed to a kid coming and, and showing up 10 minutes early and warming up and asking questions and being involved. Those are the type of kids that if you're a parent, let, yeah, let's throw them into this. And it's not a bad thing to say, let's, let's try this once and see if it, it catches. But if you're trying to, to push that from your child and it's just not there yet, it's not saying that it won't be there in a month or it won't be there in a year, but they're not going to get anything out of what they're trying to do or what you hope that they do if they don't want to be there and they don't have that drive. So, I mean, I've worked with seven-year-olds. I work with uh, collegiate athletes. It's all the same. You, you have to want to be there and you have to want to be getting better. And if that's the case, you're going to see results. But if not, you, you just can't, you can't fake coming and wanting to, to, to train and get better for an hour. Uh, that, that has to be something that's built inside of you. So my response all the time, and I've built what I do on honesty. You know, I'm going to be honest from session one to session 200 with the parent. Um, they, they have to want it. They, they have to want to be there because I can put, I can put two of the same athletes through the same hour work, worth of work and one's going to get more out of it if he wants to be there. And I think that's the biggest thing and, and the biggest separation. There, there's no substitute for hard work and wanting to be there. And if you do, you're going to, you're going to get to that light at the end of the tunnel. What did your um, what effect or what role does your parents play early? I know your dad was a quarterback or played at Kent State. I don't know if he's quarterback, but he played at Kent no, State. No, no, my dad was a he was a linebacker yeah. at Kent State, and <laughs> well, I yeah close. close. I only I only played I played football one year growing up before high school, and uh and Deck you mentioned it was uh it was Matt McEwen. It was his dad was my quarterback coach Brian. Yeah. He's the only quarterback coach I I mean, I, I owe more to Brian McEwen uh, for instilling the, the quarterback position. But my freshman year at Reading, I'm like 5'11", 9 pounds maybe as a freshman. And I, I try out for football. I think my dad bribed me to play football. And they put me at safety the first game of my freshman year. Never, never played the defensive position. My dad's got like all his work buddies in attendance. You know, he played linebacker. I'm at safety. Guy breaks through on the second play of the game. I freeze. He runs me over. <laughs> My face mask trips him. So I make the tackle. I get back to the huddle, and they're, like, waving the trainer out. As he stepped on my face mask, he stepped through my lip. Mm. I had to get six stitches because I got trucked. Never seen my dad more disappointed on the ride to the hospital ever. All his buddies at the game, I was like, I don't know if I want to play football. He's like, let's just try a different position. But my, uh, I, I was I was talking about this the other day with my parents. My mom and dad were 17 and 18 when they had me. So my mom gave up going to college. My dad had a scholarship to Kent State, had to leave after a year to, to support and take care of me. Uh, so I've, I've been forever grateful for my family, my grandparents, my parents, my aunts and uncles. There wasn't a time growing up that they told me no when I wanted to go throw a ball or, or hit baseball or shoot basketball. And, you know, they, they were the parent that I was talking about with my training. They never forced me to go anywhere. They never forced me to play a sport, but if I wanted to, they were going to be there to support it. And my dad would, he would travel the world and come home and it'd be seven o'clock and he got off the flight and 
I want to go toss football and he'd go out and toss football with me. So they were kind of always that rock that, that really instilled the hard work for me and, and really the base of, of kind of where I've grown to. And something to key on real quick, multi-sport athlete. This guy was there and I, I hope young folks that are listening to this play multiple sports. I think that's a big recommendation, but yeah, you know, we got beat by Tony Pike, but you know who else got beat by Tony Pike? <coughs> OJ Mayo and so Billy Walker. I didn't get beat by Tony. I was gone. Oh, well, whatever. You're old. I'm, an old. I'm an old guy here. Okay. Well, Phil, but mentally you were beat. This is true. This, this is true. This is true. But hold on. Let's, let's go back to this. Let's give the man some justice in the multi-sport athlete. So two questions is kind of walk us through quickly. I think that's the story I don't know, but, you know, winning the state championship against yeah. OJ Mayo, Billy Walker, and how important it is to be a multifaceted, experienced uh, athlete in high school. Man. Uh, Bill Walker and OJ Mayo played at North College Hill. We uh, we were at Reading High School. We ran the we ran the heck out of the flex offense. I mean, we were going to run you through 15 screens until we got the shot we wanted. Uh, I mean, it was like Hoosiers. Like we're just we're running through our offense. We went to scout North College Hill, and I think in the third quarter there was a timeout. Bill Walker had like a baby sitting on his lap. OJ Mayo had a cell phone on the bench. Like they were they were. NBA first round talent. They came to scout us. We had we had like a three headed monster my senior year. They came to scout us. I think I had like two points in the first half, and they left at halftime scouting our game. And I ended up having a pretty good second half. But they came out in a box and one on one of our other players that had a really good first half. So I think they were at the point where they were so good. I don't even know if they watched film. Mm-hmm. It was like hey that guy looks pretty good. Let's box and one him and we'll beat the rest of the team. And I came out and hit a couple jumpers early. My other uh, buddy who's one of my best friends hits a couple jumpers early and it's like 15 to three and they have no idea what hit them. And from there, man, we just, we would, we sucked the life out with, we, we played really good defense. We were a help defense team. We triangle and toed on them and uh, we ran them through a bunch of screens and uh, I'm not, I'm, there may or may not have been a time where Bill Walker was close to dunking on me. <laughs> close. But we hit him right back with transition, and I slapped the backboard on a layup on the other end. So, uh, that, it was awesome. It was at the Cintas Center. It was really yeah. cool. Uh, but the multi-sport thing, I, uh, I train a lot of kids, as I said, and I talk to a lot of college coaches. And I've never met a college coach that would say, don't play multiple sports. I've never met one. You think of basketball, your footwork is constantly going to be improving. You're lifting, you're getting better throughout baseball, your hand-eye coordination, hockey. I don't, I don't care what it is, you're doing something. And at a high school athlete, it's hard to be motivated if you're not playing a sport. Are you really going to go to the gym five days a week? Are you going to go lift five or six days a week? I've never met a coach that says don't play sports. Every coach that I've met, every successful coach that I've been around wants you as an athlete to play multiple sports you know we get we get so caught up nowadays in you know you gotta you gotta really prioritize your sports and you're playing baseball year round or you're playing basketball first of all enjoy your high school career you know enjoy that time don't don't spend so much time at a sport that you lose out on such a, a cool and pivotal time of your life and with friends and and lifelong people that you meet but play every sport that you possibly can. It, it helps in so many ways in life. Amen. Amen. I was, we were just talking to some coaches recently and it's like 
that whole stigma of the one sport. I mean, like you said, everyone you meet, I don't know how it is. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, if I'm going to play college football, i got to play football year-round yeah. or train year-round. It's like, no, you can play a second sport. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like the Coaches, whole – it's crazy. Coaches enjoy coming to those other games to, to learn about you. Exactly. I mean, coaches wanted to come and watch – my brother got recruited at Elder, wanted to come watch him play basketball because it shows, you know, tell, is he tough? Is he going to mix it up in there? You know, what What kind of athlete? You can tell that on a basketball court just as well as you can tell by watching a film on football. Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, Chuck Martin was saying that Tommy Doyle got drafted, I think, fourth round from Miami for to Buffalo Bills. He was a hockey player. He, yeah. he, they went and watched him play hockey. Yeah. He was undersized. He was skinny, but he had the frame. And they, they knew he was tough, so they took a chance on him. They're like, no one else was recruiting him. Next thing you know, the guy gains like 70 pounds, and he's a monster left tackle, and he's getting drafted by the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. So it shows you, like, you don't have to even be – you can be even better at your other sport than you are the sport that these teams are even recruiting yet. Just you know, some, Antonio Gates played basketball. Yeah. Right? And now he's he was a, he's going to be a Hall of Famer in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Some of the best athletes I played with at UC played basketball in high school. Travis Kelsey. Remember when Travis Kelsey came to UC, he was a dominant high school basketball player. And there was like three-on-three -three tournaments in Reading. I remember I brought Travis one year. Like, this guy could play for UC. Connor Barwin played mm -hmm. basketball at UC during the time he was playing football. It's just it, it's remarkable. Some of, some of the best athletes and best football players that I know were very high level athletes at the high school level. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like Julius Peppers, you think back. I've seen Miles oh, Garrett yeah. dunking a basketball. I'm like, I do. I would not want to play pick up basketball <laughs> with Miles Garrett. I'm just gonna no, throw that out that's there. Bully ball. That's bully ball. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he ducks his shoulder, bears you out of the way, and then yeah. slams it on your head. But um, you know, transitioning towards the end here, Tony, talking about high school sports, I think we'd be reminisced not to say we're excited ourselves to be part of the Chatterbox family. You yes. know, you're joining the squad, which we're super excited and thankful and blessed to have Tony um, rolling out this year for, for high school building. In my opinion, our goal is to be not just the best in Cincinnati, but be best in the country. And we're working on that, right? We have a ways to go, but can you kind of talk about how important high school sports, especially football Friday nights and, and kind of the excitement I hope you have obviously for uh, Chatterbox. Yeah. Man, I, I there would be wars in the locker room in Cincinnati about where the best high school football is played in the country. And I remember my first year at UC, we had like 600 people attend the spring game. I mean, it was it was spark. Like it was it was slim pickings in the stands. Like there weren't a lot of people there. And I remember they were doing uh, it was a, the crosstown showdown or shoot it down there. And it was like Elder Cole Rain. And I remember telling a couple of the guys on the team like let's let's go back into Nippert. And it was like sold out. And they're like, this is for high school? I'm like, man, high school in this area is crazy, man. Like state championships are played down there. And uh, they're, they're to me, people think Florida and people think Texas. I would put Ohio up there with, with those, those perennial powerhouse states from the, the football high school landscape. I mean, Friday Night Lights is special here in, in Cincinnati. And the Chatterbox family – and what we're trying to do, it's, it's given an opportunity to shine more of a light on that. And it's also shining more of a light on maybe people that can't make it to the game every night that are going to have a chance to watch these games. It's a high-level broadcast. And for me, it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with what I try to do every day in my life now, and that's help others and give back. We are, we are shining a light on high school athletes. If I, if I had a chance in high school to have my games filmed or to have – 
you know, a high school game day setting, come to my school. It, it would have been the, it would have been the highlight of my high school career. It'd been the highlight of my football career. Um, so to be able to, to highlight what's so special about high school sports here in Ohio, here in Cincinnati in particular, and do it with such a professional group and a professional model. I, I, I can't wait for football season to get here. I can't wait uh, for the excitement for the bands, the fans, the coaches, the players to, to all see how, uh, how cool this is going to be this year. Awesome. Yeah, we're definitely excited, man. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, and for those, I know I had someone ask me this past week, you know, how can I watch your guys' podcast? And I was like, go to chatterbox.com and, and you can watch. And then obviously you're, you'll be able to watch a multitude of sports and really tune in. And, and you know, I, I think the wave is coming. So definitely excited to have for you me, on the team. I mean, for me to like training quarterbacks, like on a, on a Friday, like I could watch two or three guys that I'm working with at once because yeah. their games will be available. You know, that's just – Nothing like that's ever been available. It's like, well, I'm going to go to this game for a half and I'll shoot over and try to get to the third quarter there. And it just, it provides for, for people that want to follow multiple guys and it provides for families who maybe can't have certain family members at the game. It's just, it's all encompassing. It's, it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've had, you know, I know from UC to now Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, obviously Chuck at Miami and other schools are like, you know, on a Friday night, we got the multiple TVs up and Chatterbox. Any guys we're recruiting, we're, we're checking out. It's awesome. They're like, you know, we can live stream games and we can check out, you know, guys we're recruiting from LaSalle to, yep. you know, Lakota East down to St. X, whatever we're at. Uh, obviously, Lakota West has got a lot of talent, too. Um, you know, they're, they're, it gives they love opportunities. It. it gives opportunities to smaller schools, too. Sure, yeah. You know, that, that parentally, right, it's hard to, to watch, you know, a Indian Hill, Wyoming game. Yep. Or, you know, a Reading, like that, that's, again, that to me, if that would have been an opportunity when I was in high school, that had been, it had been awesome. And to know as an athlete who's trying to make it to the next level, that you're going to be broadcast, that you're going to be put out there, that coaches around the country can have an opportunity to watch your game. It, 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 it really is. It's, it's groundbreaking. It's awesome. And, and, uh, it's special here for athletes. And who doesn't want to listen to Tony Pike? No doubt. I mean, I don't, you but most voice? people do. You hear yeah. that voice? Yeah. <laughs> Probably no one in that in that picture behind you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I knew that was a mistake to pull this thing up. I mean, it, I was like, this is a risk. This is a risk for, uh, but yeah, I was like, I don't the know. troll reversed. Yeah, I said, hey, <laughs> we're going to troll Tony Pike on this podcast. But let me, uh, one last thing, and, and I know we'll let you get going. We typically do a, um, a rapid fire. Um, and I know Kyle may have a couple, but I know one, we talked about this just early on. It's not truly a hot seat question, but um, as mentioned, I have a five and four year old who are four, oh boy. 14 months apart. Um, you have a 10 month old and one Ooh. on the way. And you mentioned that you've beat me by a month because they're going to be yep. 13 months apart. What's going on in the Pike household and in the mindset there? Just got warm in this room, man. <laughs> you guys are... I'll tell you what's happening, man. I'm losing rooms in my house. I told my wife, like, you do not touch the man cave. We could, I'll change whatever else. I, it is, uh, look, it, our son Wilder is, is 10 months old. It, he's been a, a blessing. It's, it's unbelievable being a father. And, uh, we, it was, it was a, it was a surprise that, that it happened this, this quick. Uh, but we have a little baby girl on the way in September. Um, I had to part ways with my, when I moved back from Carolina, 
I was in a bad place mentally. I was like, my, my career just ended. I went to Brookstone and bought a massage chair, like a zero gravity, 200 pound massage chair. And yesterday I had to get rid of the massage chair. Oh, mm. you know, because we, you gotta, you gotta put a crib in a, in a dresser in a room, and, you know, you gotta, you gotta make a nursery and all this other stuff. So I, I parted ways with a, with a, with a big piece of my past you- that brought a lot of comfort. And, uh, we, we, we're going to go with, uh, thinking of like Weston or Wesley, my okay. wife picks the names, but once Wilder was a thing, now I got wild West. It's, it's, it oh, couldn't man. be better, man. Wild wow. West. Yeah. Let's make that wild thing. West. So my wife, like the gunslinger job, start, start like a blog adventures of wild West. Do oh, something, man. I love it. The guns, Dude, that, wild West, the gunslinger. This guy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, I will say this. I have a, one of my best friends, Tim, went through the same thing um, when they found they were having a baby. He had Lyndon B. Johnson's um, wife's car, old school car from the 60s, and we used to cruise around in it. And his wife made him sell it so that they could, uh, <sighs> for the baby. I was, so so I, I feel you on the pain, man. He he was crushed. <laughs> we, talked, we talked a little bit before, like everyone that I've met that has a children that close together, it's like, oh boy, it, it's, it's tough for a while. Like yeah. I've never ran into someone that's like, oh, it's awesome. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. Everybody's like, Man, it's, it's going to be tough, but it'll be worth it in the end. Like, yeah. what, when they're 15? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if you guys need some education, I think he said the same thing. It was a surprise. I, I know how it happened. So if you guys need some advice later on, <laughs> we can take that off the podcast. So I know it's, you like, guys. There's, it's, it's COVID. It's a, it was a weird time in the world. <laughs> Nothing else to do. <laughs> Why don't we give them uh, – we kind of did all rapid fire throughout. Why don't you end with the, 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 the closing question we do every, uh, every podcast? So before we end, Tony, we ask this question to all of our guests. And um, before you answer, you have to agree to help us make it happen. You agree? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I thought you were going to ask me, like, what's the score of UC Miami this year? <laughs> oh, geez. That's a long, yeah. Well, I won't even go down that path. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is one guest we should have on the Underdog Podcast that you could help make it happen? Oh, you got to get my guy Travis Kelsey on. Easy enough. Would love it. Love it. We would love it. That's hard because Earnhardt Jr. was I, – I became friends with him in, in Carolina in my brief stint with the Panthers. But Travis, just because I could give you some ammunition on him, I mean, I've – not a lot of, Travis got recruited to UC as a quarterback. Yeah. Wow. I heard him on a podcast. You know, I didn't know yeah. that. Had, had Travis – been able to be a quarterback would he be a tight end and what he is in the league but there was a quarterback in place at Cincinnati that it was like hey Travis you might have to move to tight end I'm not getting thank yous <laughs> I haven't seen that yet <laughs> yeah he needs to send you a quick million I think that's, that's hey, give me something. Wait, hey get him on the podcast we'll say hey we'll, we'll throw that out there. can I can yeah. I can I send you this clip and you send it to him <laughs> yes All yes right. gotcha. send it to me I, it, it's been long enough He's on. He's he's on multiple contracts now. Right. It's 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 time to pay the piper. Yeah, he could get you a massage chair, yeah, in, or a new room in a house. Yeah, we could. I, you know, we. So yeah, help help I've a brother out. for a long time. Cam Chancellor made him a lot of money in the uh, Orange Bowl. I made Carlos Dunlap a lot of money in the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Travis. Yeah, you helped Tim Tebow, maybe, Urban Meyer. Maybe, we'll, maybe yep. we'll name this podcast. Kelsey thinks you Mike. made you made Brian Kelly a lot of money. I mean, Brian yeah. Kelly's made a lot of money too. You've made a lot of guys some money. Yeah, jeez, your total yeah. net worth is probably like five hundred million. Yeah, you know, you've made a lot of money. Yep. Yeah, 
Well, good stuff, man. Well, we uh, may have loved to get to know you over the years and, you know, definitely, um, you know, you're the underdog spirit, like you said, going from small town USA to, to the big stage. And you should be proud of that. Like I said, I know you didn't necessarily end, uh, quote unquote, the way you wanted, but, you know, your journey is in- inspiring. You know, I think that Pike to Ben's throw in, in uh, Pittsburgh and all those moments you had, I mean, you've made uh, a tremendous impact. And then you're still impacting, like I said, I know you're training high school kids, you're doing it, you know, like you said, for the best uh, heart and energy you put into this community is is definitely uh, commendable. And we appreciate everything you do for Cincinnati. And I know the best is ahead and I can't wait to work with you a little bit more here at Chatterbox. And uh, the best is ahead, as I said, so appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on, finally. (laughs) (laughs) See you, brother. All right, TP, man. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you.